Big it. Bacon bit. Hey everyone, oh, I welcome to Bacon Bit. Yeah, yeah yes. Do you, can you do your, more wizarding. Your, your goblin voice again? Bacon bit. Yes. It yes. is high. That's a very humpty. good voice. I will change my accent seven <laughs> times. So here's the deal. <laughs> uh, as, if you listen to our last show, the Dungeons and Dragons show, then you know that we, it was a long game of Dungeons and Dragons. We had a Dungeons and Dragons show? We did. I'll and, never forget. And people liked it? They seemed to. It was well, awesome. wait, wait, Save it for our Monday show. Last uh, Monday show? The next Monday show. So okay. You're so listening. confused. So uh, what we had, though, is we had a whole section of Kyler. Kyler is a historian. He's very passionate about history. And so he had a uh, extensive history of Dungeons & Dragons that he wanted to include in the show. That made it run a little long. So we pulled that out. And we have it for here for you tonight to listen to. So enjoy Kyler's history of Dungeons & Dragons. Yep. Uh, Kyler, can you give us kind of a... A real brief introduction as to what Dungeons and Dragons is. When you say brief, how brief are we talking? Well, okay, I want to I want to bring this up because back in the day, back in my day, all I really knew about Duggan, Dungeons and Dragons was that Duggins. it was a, a devil worshiping cult that would tear you away from your family. <laughs> yep, just like Harry Potter. That back yep. in the day, that's what it was. People were like so worried about Dungeons and Dragons. It was. was a, like, it did have a weird stigma. It's like, it? oh, they're yeah. going to put spells on you, and oh, it's a devil well, worshiping cult. Did people think it was like the Ouija board that you can that's buy as a board what, game? It was kind of equated yeah. to that. Where it was like kind of evil Wait, spirits were involved. So, like, in an, it. having an imagination is bad. <laughs> but that's just it. You hear these things, and parents just hear them, and they're like, oh, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons is evil. But I feel like it's flipped now almost entirely, where Dungeons and Dragons has been completely neutered to the point where it's like people hear Dungeons and Dragons, they think a bunch of guys in their mom's basement around a table. Oh, crap. What, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, Kyler, yeah. uh, tell us in, in so many words Dungeons and Dragons. So, D&D comes out of larger scale wargaming. So, wargaming. Yep. Oh, with Matthew Broderick. Like Yeah. yeah. Exactly <laughs> like that. Would you yeah. like to play no, a game. No, so uh, Star Wars reference here, Peter Cushing who played Grand Moff Tarkin. He was into wargaming. So, oh, yeah, he was in Rogue One. Little, yeah. He wasn't in Rogue <laughs> yeah. One. Uh, so you have little miniatures, usually well, for wargaming usually on trays. They're a few millimeters tall and you like recreate like the Battle of Waterloo or whatever and you paint them up and you make cool scenery and stuff like sometimes you see this uh, the pace in scottish right, Festival. Right. they have uh, a really famous scottish battle so it's like risk stuff kind of but kind like, of like a, you're reenacting wars with like risk but with toys anymore. yeah but like yeah so like little risk wait guys, what does peter you know? cushing have to do with this he was big into wargaming like huge like oh, okay. that's what when he got off movie sets that he would go home and like paint his minis and play war games Oh. Yeah. Just like Kent. Which makes me feel better about my own. <laughs> Just when I get off movie stuff. sets as well. <laughs> <That's> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> movie theater. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there are two guys, Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. Okay. Back in the 70s. Are we talking the Bill Gates and Steve Jobs of D&D? Sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Keep it irrelevant. I like uh, it. Yeah. No, the, these guys really, though, they these two create D&D out of... Out of the war games. Yeah. So war games are based on huge armies with, you know, lots and lots and lots of people. And they both uh, said, independently of one another, um, like, well, what if you focused on just one soldier in the battle and what he's doing and sort of tell a story with that? So they had both come up with different sets of rules. And uh, in the early 70s, um, Dave Arneson... uh, who had sort of heard of Gary Gygax and what he was doing because he was writing rule books and stuff. So Are you saying Arneson, Gygax or Gaga? Gygax. G-Y-G-A-X. Is that a D&D like character like name? It sounds like a made-up yeah. name. I, actually I am don't, Gary Gygax. Yeah. <laughs> I think he did change his name. I can't be sure, though. 
It's a um, super villain right there. <laughs> so uh, let's see here. Uh, the evolution of D&D itself began with Chainmail, a game written by Gary Gygax and a guy named Jeff Perrin to simulate medieval combat. However, at the end of the game, there was a 14-page supplement describing the application of the rules to fantasy. Everyone loves supplemental reading after yeah, a game. Exactly. The fantasy <laughs> supplement provided rules for magic swords, monsters, spells with names like lightning and fireball, two of the greatest spells in D&D. When Dave Arneson read the Chainmail fantasy rules, he adapted them to a fantasy world of his own called Blackmoor, which has survived through every edition of D&D. If you know D&D, you know Blackmoor. Now we do. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because you are all totally in on this. Yep. You're cool. Yep. Uh, a setting inspired by Lord of the Rings universe combined with elements of Arneson's own imagination and various mechanics pulled Kenton. from other games. You mentioned Lord of the Rings. Kenton. Yep. yep. The premise was simple. Players would portray only a single character as opposed to the whole army. Uh, an idea he lifted from a game called Bronstein and would explore underground dungeons where they would face perils and troubles. Both characters and the story would persist from session to session with characters working cooperatively, cooperatively and improving over time. Okay. okay. So in the fall of 1972, Arneson drove down to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin from Minneapolis, which is where Gary Gygax lived in uh, Lake you Geneva. You can tell he's a historian. And, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's like the, the dates uh, and the uh, places. To, yeah. yeah, so he went to run a game of Blackmore for Gary Gygax. Uh, Gygax was blown away by the game, and within weeks he requested the rules from Arneson. He was mailed 18 handwritten pages of rules. Gygax wow. took them and expanded them to 50 pages and began testing the game with his children. That's like Joel's <laughs> notes for a show. <laughs> yeah. Go, just wait. <laughs> uh, Gygax named the campaign he was running Castle Greyhawk. Greyhawk, again, has survived through every edition. It's incredibly famous. Um, soon, Gary and Dave had codified all their ideas mm-hmm. into, uh, and experiences into a rule set they titled Dungeons and Dragons. It would prove to be a revolution. Okay. Uh, We can just take everything you're saying as truth because we don't know otherwise. Correct, yeah. (laughs) Uh, They together founded a company called Tactical Studies Rules. Oh, what Um, a great name for a company. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Founded in in 1973. By 1974, the first copies of uh, D&D were sold for the exorbitant rate of $10 per pamphlet. Is it, um, isn't it free now? Like, you can download a rule book for free, right? Kind of. You can download portions of the core set, the core rule book for free. Okay. They sold 1,000 copies their first year, 3,000 their second year, and it just basically snowballed because after that. Because the devil was strong in the land. Exactly. Ah. Uh, so this very first edition that was literally just like a few pages long pamphlet is called Original Dungeons & Dragons, referred to as OD&D. Okay. O-D-D? Ni- yeah, O-D-N-D. Yeah, you know me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 1977, they did a two-pronged strategy. They had the basic set and the advanced Dungeons & Dragons set, which is called AD&D. Okay. The basic set was more improvisational and sort of lighter in tone. AD&D was more rigid and the rules had a lot more structured format. And so it sort of split the player base, which wasn't really great for their company. Uh, in 77 through 79, they introduced three core rule books to AD&D. The Player's Handbook, which I have the latest edition so these aren't, they're not like telling you what to do in the Correct. game. This is just books explaining the rules. They give you a rules. lot of information and they give you the rules and then you go use the rules to do whatever so the you want. So dun- the dungeon master being you, the one right. in charge of the game, they look at the, they don't look at the handbook as like, here's how to create my story. Yeah. They just look at the right. rules and then they create their own story. Yes. Yeah, so they, the core rule books give you all the rules. They do have um, campaign settings, which are like, here's a rough outline for a story that you could use if you want to. And that's what you're referencing by the names, the different campaigns, right? Yeah, so right? yeah, Greyhawk becomes yeah. one of these really, really famous campaign okay. guides. 
Um, same with Blackmore. But they're more giving you a world, and then you yeah, kind of then you write the story. And then it's endless world. personalization the inside. guides do often have like a, hey, here's like an overarching story you could do in Like a world. boss battle. Yeah, or, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, so the Player's Handbook, the Dungeon Master's Guide, which I think... Oh, no, that's the one I told my wife I didn't need. And then the Monster Manual, which has stats See? for all the monsters. Dungeons and Dragons people can get married, everybody. Yep, <laughs> it's true. And have children. Uh, <laughs> that was TMI. There's hope. There's hope, everybody. <laughs> um, and then they... Uh, in So, yeah, that's uh, 77 through 89. In 85, they introduced the Unearthed Arcana book, which updated some of the rules and added a bunch of different like magic items and spells and stuff. So, Kyler, how long have you been playing Dungeons & Dragons? Oh, we're going to get to that when I get okay. there. So, How many 80, pages is that document? Three. Okay. It's, it's 14 <laughs> expanded to 50. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, 17, or, 1789. Wow, that's French Revolution. Uh, 1989, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition, which is technically the 3rd edition to come out. But they call it 2nd Edition. So uh, this is not AD&D, even though it's Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. This is Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition, which is referred to as 2nd Edition. Obviously. the previous Advanced Dungeons & Dragons is AD&D. Well, of it course. It gets really confusing. That's why I... No, we got it. Uh-huh. In there. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. This release uh, of AD&D 2nd Edition deliberately excluded some aspects of the game that had attracted negative publicity. This is where the Ouija 80s, board. Uh, like satanic Joel. panic right. comes from. Okay. Um, Satanic references to like demons and devils, mm. S-E, actuality, <laughs> suggestive artwork, and playable evil-aligned character types such as assassins and half-orcs were removed. Can't, can't stop raising your hand. I have a question. Yes. <laughs> Where's the scandalous artwork? I don't oh, see any scandalous artwork. Third edition, 3.5 edition, bedroom, look on the Monster walls. Manual, The Nymph. Is it on Amazon? Go check it out. Oh, it's on Amazon? <laughs> don't. Don't do it, kids. The don't Succubus do is also pretty good. Um... <laughs> <clears throat> Fine. No, no, no. He's, he's talking at the Spaghetti intro. Factory. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's delicious. Yeah. Not a sponsor. Nope. <laughs> uh, so this edition moved away from a theme of 1960s and 1970s sword and sorcery fantasy fiction to a mixture of medieval history and mythology. The rules underwent minor changes, including the addition of non-weapon proficiencies, skill-like abilities. So that's like your perception, your searching for things. Okay, so it became more check. complicated, more character-defining yeah. traits. Yeah, exactly. Do, do all the editions stay within the medieval kind of realm, or do some of them do oh, we're like getting futuristic? There. Oh, we're getting there. I keep trying to jump the gun here. Yeah, yeah. Know, right. It's like I prepared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No one's doubting that you prepared, <laughs> <just> Kyler. <laughs> uh, yeah, so skill-like abilities that originally appeared in the first edition supplements were were reintroduced. Okay. Um, the game's magic spells were divided into schools of magic and spheres. Uh, a major difference was the promotion of various game settings beyond that of traditional fantasy. This included blending fantasy with other genres, such as horror, Ravenloft, which is the new edition of what we're going to run tonight. I'm into that. So Castle Ravenloft was this second edition adventure. You gave us a horror game. That has been updated, yes. You know we have have, uh, battled a large chicken before here on Bacon. (laughs) At McDonald's. It's a rooster. (laughs) So this will be good. a rooster. (laughs) Uh, This one is really fun. You fight a big vampire lord and stuff at the end. That's not what we're going to do. Not as good as a rooster. And then science fiction, Spelljammer is the name of that world. And then apocalyptic, Dark Sun is sort of like, yeah, like a post-apocalyptic thing. As well as alternative historical and non-European mythological settings. Then their company goes bankrupt because of some really long, goofy, complicated, weird ways that they were paying people and getting paid. It 
basically well, bankrupted. Someone them. actually tried to read the rule book and then no, they, yeah. no, <laughs> yeah. uh, like, it's too complicated. <laughs> yeah. They would get paid when their distributor received the copies of the books, but n- had not sold them. So they started printing a bunch of books, sending them to the distributor to cash in on a paycheck, and then the distributor couldn't sell them because of the satanic panic. Oh, it's like Avon. Uh, so then the distributor <laughs> it's like a fantasy Avon. all the books, and they didn't have money to repay the distributor, and then like they were getting mm. sued and stuff, so they were pretty much bankrupt. If there isn't a band called Satanic Panic, I'd be very disappointed. <laughs> I thought that was one of yours. I, it was, but I'm like wondering if someone else ripped us off. Yeah, could be. <laughs> you look it up? I'm Googling it. <laughs> So then a little-known company that was making a game that maybe you've heard of, Magic the Gathering, Indeed. Um, called Wizards of the Coast in 1997, bought TSR. Wasn't that on uh, Disney Channel, Wizards of the Coast? <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and they spent three years looking at this D&D material that they had bought and re- reformatting it a little bit, updating it. And in 2000, we got the uh, Dungeons & Dragons 3rd Edition which is referred to as third edition. Is this the current edition? Yeah. Nope. Oh, gosh. This is the fourth edition, the fourth version of D&D. It's called third edition. It unified. Right. So when they split D&D, uh, AD&D, and then basic D&D, when they split them to make like the one like really more rigid and rule-centered and then one kind of more lighthearted or whatever, and it split the community, which mm-hmm. was part of why people weren't buying as many books, which led to the bankruptcy. This game reunified both of those into one book and brought the fan base back together so they could make money again nice and uh it introduced the d20 system before that i think they were on a d6 system so this is where we get our dice we can stop and talk about the dice if we want sure so the biggest dice the one you use the most is the d20 it's a 20 Tyler has brought us a whole set of dice oh yeah so the d20 has 20 sides yep and then you have a d12 which is the least used and okay. then you have two D10s, which are 10-sided dice. All these are... The D just stands for die, so it's... And then whatever number it is, that's how many right. sides it has. It's pretty okay. simple. Uh, then you have a D8, which is fairly common. D6 is used a lot. And then a D4. D4 looks like a little pyramid. A cal- so we'll be using years. all of these tonight. You'll be using most... Some of them. Okay. I think between you all, I think... We will use will die at used. some point. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and then uh, the rules are more <laughs> flexible. This introduced feats and skills for further character customization. So feats are pretty cool. You guys don't have any though because you're too low level, and it's more complicated than I wanted. We to don't have feats for an hour. <laughs> uh, then in 2003, they updated the rules one more time, and we got D and D 3.5, Dungeons and Dragons 3.5, which is just called 3.5 or 3.5. This was incredibly popular. By this point, this is again, this is 2003. So the satanic panic of the 80s is over. Right. By the way, is and a band. It is a band? <laughs> it is a band. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it, it should be. It really should be. Um, and uh, this is where I started playing. So I started playing in 2004. So 3.5 was just out only a year. I didn't know okay. it at the time. I thought this was like what had been around since the 80s or something. I didn't know. Right, right. Um, but this is when I started playing. It was super fun. Um, but it is pretty hefty on the rules uh, oh so this felt pretty hefty on the rules oh this this is just the history we haven't got to the rules is... no, what i'm saying is kyler uh just so you <laughs> just so the listeners aware uh kyler said hey can you watch this series of videos uh some critical role introductory to dungeons and dragons videos can you watch these in preparation for the show we're like sure he sent us a list of 40, you tell o- me about over that? 40 vi- videos <laughs> don't start jake <laughs> over 40 videos 
and we were like, holy cow. And they were like three to five minutes each. I mean, we, we, I, I did the math and it was just over two hours to watch them all. And he's like, no, no, you just need to watch the first 19 or so. So, but it was like, at first I'm like, okay, yeah, I can, I get this. I understand this. But as the rules went on, I, I actually messaged you, Kyler. Mm-hmm. I said, holy cow, this game is complicated. <laughs> it was actually holy cats. It was I holy it was cats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> holy cats. They're very sacred to him. Yeah. And so like, but the more I got into it, like, you know, a lot of what you see of this game is people just kind of okay. like, oh, I cast a spell on you. But there's a lot of background and rules involved with this. Yeah. Like kind of crazy amount. So, so Kent and I watched the videos. Jacob doesn't have internet, so... <laughs> Wait, is that his story? It, it's really hard to live with the Amish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't think about Your whole that. life. <laughs> yeah. I would have sent uh, the rules to the core books to you by Pony Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what we have sitting in front of us, we have uh, spell cards, which we can use once or multiple times. We have a couple sheets of our attributes, which I'm sure we'll get into in just a minute, with like our our hit points, uh, with our armor, with uh, our abilities, how good we are at everything, and also our die, our multiple die. So yeah, but this rule set is far more complicated than the rule set we're going to use tonight. Okay. Even though it seems like there's a lot. Because it's intimidating. All it, these it rules. Does. It really so, is. So yeah, D&D is kind of like drugs. You have to have somebody show you the way to get into it. <laughs> Wait, is one of the D's uh, is like it drugs? <laughs> yeah. Is it drugs and dragons? Yeah. it's uh, Dragons and drugs. Yeah. Oh, Corbos God. Duh. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> How did I get one of the D's out of order? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a lot more simplified. So 3.5 is what I was sort of raised on. And then in 2008, they came out with 4th edition, which tried to return to the spirit of AD&D which was the second version of D&D, and it was a colossal failure. Clearly. Um, they, it was a good game, but it wasn't D&D. So by this point, 3.5 had become a lot more about like the role play, telling a collective story together with your friends. Right. And 4th Edition was essentially a computer game that you played out on paper. It was entirely mechanics, way, way, way more rules. It just it didn't feel like D&D anymore. Okay. And so it failed miserably. And Gary Gaga wasn't involved with that. Gygax. No. No, Gygax, once Wizards of the Coast (laughs) uh, bought it, (laughs) they um, basically apologized to him and Dave Arneson because there was some bad blood that had come between those two and like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. Exactly. Yeah. And I think Gygax consulted on 3.5 or 3rd edition. I can't remember. But these guys, are are they wealthy? Are they doing well now? Oh, they're both dead now, so they're doing as well oh, as you can. Wow. The um, curse is d Has anyone tried to use a resurrection spell or a true, or a true resurrection <laughs> spell? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> roll, roll your 20-side die. Let's see. 17. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Back to life. Oh. No, that was fantastic. Um, so it failed. It was only on shelves for like a year, maybe. It was not well-received. Okay. Um, I hated it. And then in 2014... Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, referred to as Five E, came out and it was awesome. It uh, they released it uh, on the 40th anniversary of D and D, which is pretty cool. So the influences of D and D are widespread. Pretty much anything that involves races or classes has D and D to thank for it. America. So consider yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you say, Tolkien? In fact, Gary Gygax, uh, founding father. Yeah, no, just kidding. Oh, when you say that this game has Tolkien to thank, so yes, Tolkien is the Lord of the Rings. Father, the beginning, yeah. yeah. Tolkien is the father of like fantasy as we understand it. Yes, Gygax is the father of fantasy games as we understand them. All right. So when you get into LARPing and things like that, I mean, obviously that that's weird. How, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, hold on, hold on. That's hold where on. you draw the line. <laughs> we have the D and D expert saying that LARPing is weird. It's a little weird. Yeah. So nerds can judge other nerds. Oh, for is sure. Okay. Is, is it, wait, isn't yeah. LARPing 
just a live action role playing. Isn't it Dungeons and Dragons played out in real life essentially? Yes, and I don't know how you do that. And I'll, it's just it's, uh, I have a documentary for you. Watch, oh, no. watch Monster Camp. <laughs> yeah, wait. I think I have passively seen that. I think my wife watched that. Like, and I was like, it's it's a very interesting documentary about live action role playing. It was yeah. just fascinating to really? see how much work went into those kind of camps. Oh yeah, we're playing next season. But so you're not <laughs> into, you're not into LARPing. No. Nope. Well, I guess we know what we do next season for Bake Itself. We're in. <laughs> LARPing expert, right LARPing. in. Oh, boy. So consider these common features of fantasy computer games. Hit points, experience points, levels, character races, classes, the need to acquire personal possessions like armor and weapons, and the impetus to fight progressively fierce monsters. Video games adapted all these conventions directly or indirectly from pen and paper versions of D&D. The game's influence, moreover, extends far beyond just fantasy games, the numerical measurement and representation of... I- Many game components from health in a first-person shooter, such as Doom, uh, to the hunger and hygiene motives of The Sims, likewise descend from D&D mechanics, even if a sword or sorcerer never appears in any of these titles. Go, Joel. I was going to say, knowing Kent and his love for Final Fantasy, I could see influence of Mm -hmm. Final Fantasy. Well, in other games you guys have mentioned, too, like Diablo, Warcraft, World of Warcraft, Hearthstone, Witcher, Skyrim, Subnautica, Borderlands, like all Mm -hmm. of these games have D&D to think for. One of the guys we talked today, Dave, uh, he said, said, that's why Skyrim is... We told him we were playing Dungeons & Dragons tonight, and he was like, I'm so jealous. And then we were talking about... He was talking about other things, and he said, that's why Skyrim is so amazing, because it's essentially Dungeons & Dragons in video game form. Which is funny, because that's exactly why I've never played Skyrim. Yeah. Jacob, you loved that, didn't you? Oh, yeah, it's great. Oblivion I played as well, which yeah. was the whole Elder Scrolls collection. Yeah, the collection. whole Elder Scrolls franchise. That's Save for Elder Scrolls Show. Yeah. <laughs> that game is amazing. Um, but yeah, all these things, I'm not going to talk about or go into. There's another company called Paizo that split from Wizards of the Coast and made a game almost identical to 3.5 called uh, Pathfinder that is now almost as big as D&D. Um, I Pathfinders, think it, but Pathfinder is what uh, Critical Role came out of, right? Yes, did you boom, did boom. research? Look at this guy. So I do my you. research for these shows. Yeah. I thought you were going to make so, a Nissan joke. No. <laughs> there are, oh, here's my show and tell. Hold on. Here we and go. Critical Role is a uh, Twitch live stream where a group of voice actors actually get together yeah. and play Dungeons and Dragons. Again, like we were talking about earlier, in the 80s, it was the satanic panic. Only the, the super evil kids did it. And then in the 90s, it was like only the losers did it. Or Which the is funny because like in the 80s when they had the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon as well. Because they were yeah. trying to soften the image of yeah. it. But so it's it's kind of went through that real slump where it was like super shunned. Anybody that played it, it was like, you must be a social outcast. But just to show you how far it's come, uh, Order of the Stick, he did a Kickstarter drive to get a little bit of capital so he could reprint some of his comic books. Because once he finishes a story arc, he compiles it into a book and prints it out so you can have it. Um, and he didn't have any money to get some books printed that were had been out for a long time. His Kickstarter, when it finished, was the number one Kickstarter ever when it finished. Wow. Wow. Um, I don't remember the exact number, um, and then it got overtaken like three days later. It was <laughs> like Veronica the Pebble Mars Watch or, or whatever that. that came out. Um, but I was happy to back it. And then uh, another thing just to show how popular it is, is you mentioned the show Critical Role. Yes. Streams on Twitch every Thursday, 7 p.m. Pacific. You should totally watch it, but watch out. They swear a lot. <laughs> they also did a Kickstarter to get uh, their first campaign animated, like a cartoon. Yeah. Oh, fun. It's that popular. Yeah. That's uh, cool. So... 88,887, sadly, we needed one more backer, uh, people backed the Kickstarter. Uh, they gave a total of $11,385,449. Uh, That's a lot of dollars. It was the, it is currently... That's less than we got from fifth, Patreon this year. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Geeks have a lot of money. It's more than I make in a month. Well, they don't have boyfriend kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Um, they, they, take, they take all the Mountain Dew cans to yeah, go exactly. recycling. They recycle them and they get yeah. so much money back. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it is currently the fifth most funded Kickstarter ever in any category. Top 10 Kickstarters ever. It is number five. Huh. It is the number one most funded in like movie, film, animation. Wow. There you go. Okay. Um, and it'll be... It'll take so there's a lot, a lot of supporters out there. Oh, yeah. A lot. Um, for their... So we mentioned earlier... So like a single period of gaming is called a session. That's what we're okay. going to do tonight. A game session. A game session. A overarching story, you know, from start to finish is called a campaign. Okay. Um, so their first campaign is what's getting... So a group, a bunch of campaigns make up a session? Or no, no a, a bunch, bunch of sessions, sessions make up a campaign. Up a campaign. Sorry, so is this many. a session and a campaign? Since nope. it's, oh, so we're not we going to have a... Com- one shot where you plan just one session. You're going to tell the story from start to finish. I'm not throwing away my one night. shot. It's called a one shot. Okay. Um, so... And this this blew my mind. So their when their first campaign ended in October of twenty seventeen, they took a couple months break so the DM could like prepare things for the new world and get their characters ready and whatever. Um, they started in January of twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, over a hundred thousand people tuned in to the premiere of campaign two of Critical Role on Twitch. I think we're going to do this every week now, guys. What do you think? (laughs) So it's wildly popular. They go to Gen Con every year and do a live show. They do a session there live, like in a theater. Um, It's a 2,600 seat theater. It sells out in a matter of minutes every year. Well, these people, I was going to say, having watched some of the videos for Critical Role, uh, both the trailer and things like that, they're actually very entertaining people. They are, yeah. And so it's it's like this group of, like I said, group of voice actors going around and playing Dungeons and Dragons and having a great time with it. And they bring on guests like John Heater from Napoleon Dynamite was a guest one time. They've Uh, had Vin Diesel. Um, Um, Will Will Wheaton. Yeah, Will Wheaton. (laughs) Yeah. Patrick Rothfuss is a fantasy artist. He's been on... Uh, a nerdist. Who's the guy? Chris Hardwick. Chris Hardwick. Chris Hardwick. He's on there. They had um, Boy Meets World, The Big Brother. Can't think of his name. The actor's name. Yep. It is uh, Will Friedle. Will Friedle. God, how can I forget wow. that? Wow. Yeah. Will Friedle was on there. the memory there. banks. Yeah, that was impressive. One. Batman Beyond. You're the nerd now. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, now? The, uh, <laughs> Just now, voice, Jake. <laughs> a bunch of the voice actors on Critical Role you'd probably recognize if you like anime. A bunch of them have dubbed anime. So anyway, okay. also another thing that a line that we don't like to cross. <laughs> okay, so this show is obviously a little unconventional, but we wanted to close it off here. Uh, there's obviously more to this history, and obviously we led right into the game that we played. Yes, but if you maybe we cut out the really sexy stuff, <laughs> like when it got when it got steamy, we just. Yeah, Killed sorry it. about that. Also, there's a full uncut episode on Patreon, Patreon right now. So you can hear, you can hear, bacon you can hear what happened there. And you the whole thing start to finish. It's, a, it's an over two hour episode with this intro, all uh, the steamy parts included, steamy parts, and just <laughs> our, our mistakes. Yeah. In that show, a lot of humming and hawing. But once again, we'd like to thank Kyler for for putting this much work into the show. It taught us a lot, and we played a really fun game. So if you haven't heard that show, go listen to it now. This has been Bacon Cell.
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is delicious. Yeah. Not a sponsor.